This podcast is offered to you by Zen Center North Shore on the web at www.zencenternorthshore.org. This program is made possible by donations from listeners like you. Good morning. I'm very happy to see you. I feel this every week. I feel this every day, but I feel this every week when it's time for the Dharma talk. Um, And the Dharma talk is meant to encourage, and um, it's always very alive for me, a Dharma talk, when, um, you know, there are new people and there's new energy here. And I personally get to look at this practice that I've done for couple decades now and go, yeah, what is it? (laughs) What are we doing? You know, experiencing it through the eyes of, or through the body, you know. I just remember I was having this memory of, I trained at San Francisco Zen Center, and I had been going to meditate, which is in the basement, the Zendo's in the basement of this big building. And it's kind of dark, you know, and cool down there. And I was doing that for a few days. And then I decided to follow everybody upstairs because I used to just, I think I just would leave after Zazen. And I noticed I would go out the door after I put my shoes on and I noticed everybody else would put their shoes on and go upstairs or they'd go that way. And I just decided to follow them one day. And I followed them down the hallway, up the stairs, and into the Buddha Hall, which is a very different feeling, where they offered service, the bowing and the chanting. And it was like this whole other world. And I remember walking in there, and there were a lot of people, you know, full room, big room that was full of humans, tatami floor and statues and flowers. It was very beautiful. It was very formal. And I'm like, okay, this is okay. And we all turned toward the altar. People had their hands in gasho. And I'm like, okay, I'm still okay. I have my eyes closed. And then I felt the room change. And I opened my eyes and everybody's down on the floor. (laughs) And the first thought I had, you know, unadulterated was what would my mother think (laughs) it was just so weird it was so weird that people were doing full bows and I was kind of freaked out and so I thought of that this morning (laughs) when we started doing our full bows Um, you know the last time I was here in this space was Friday night when we did our intro. And I was thinking, wow, what a leap from the intro to this morning. It's a big leap, right? Kind of? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, lately for the intro, I've been trying to set it up, I think, with the community room and the zendo. Um, and I'm remembering, actually, leading a Dharma en Español co-leading uh, a Spanish language retreat at Tassajara, at the monastery where I trained. 
in the summer, and this was a big deal, this was several years ago, it was the first time that there had been a Spanish language event there. <clears throat> and I felt very honored to be co-leading this, but I also felt nervous um, because I felt myself straddling two worlds. I mean, there are many worlds we can be straddling, but in that particular instance, it was straddling native Spanish speakers, and I'm not a native Spanish speaker, but I've, I've lived in Spanish-speaking countries and I have very close friends, so I feel pretty comfortable with the Spanish language. And it's not just the Spanish language, it's everything that comes with that. Culture and food and music and dance and a way of being that I find very nourishing. So, <clears throat> and I was nervous because I also trained in this monastery, which is very formal <laughs> and very Japanese and very kind of religious in a way, robes and bowing and chanting, you know, Avalokiteshvara and, you know, what are all these words? And I didn't know how this was all going to go over. And I remember being in the dining room with this group of Latinos and me, and we spent the whole week, it wasn't a silent retreat, but we spent the whole weekend laughing. And it was deep dharma, and we were laughing, we were having a great time, and it, it felt different. I remember being in the dining room at our table, there were like maybe 12 of us, something like that. And looking around the dining room just to see how, because we were laughing really loud, looking around to see how other people are doing with that. <laughs> you know, are we being obnoxious? Are we being too much? You know? And I saw other people smiling. And I felt in that moment, oh, this is really interesting. This is an opportunity to deepen Dharma and let go of notions of what we think serious practice is. And at the end of that retreat, one of the women, her name was Pilar, which is a very Spanish name, she said to me, we were, we were all, it was like a closing ceremony kind of thing, just us, and she said to me, you know, you have these two sides, Joan. There's this side of you that's very very fun and playful and and then there's this other side of you as the priest wearing the robes that's very serious and formal and I'm fascinated by that and as a woman I felt you know how beautiful that is to have all these expressions of being alive Some of it is roles, you know, being in the role of priest, but I feel like this practice, the community room, the zendo, the intro to zen where we're a little more playful, you know, and I'm a little more like a cheerleader, and Sunday morning where it's church. And by the way, it's like this on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, except there's no Dharma talk. We have the two periods of zazen, and we have service, the bowing and the chanting. So as I said at the intro, you know, what is the opportunity, not 
just here at the Zen Center, but maybe here to begin with as training, but in our lives with something that arises, something new, something different, something where we don't feel like it's so familiar. What's the opportunity there? So in Zen, there are all these different practices that we do. The bowing, the chanting, the walking meditation, you know, the very physicality of the practice space. Cushions, shoji screens, an altar, <clears throat> a bell, a candle, flowers, images of powerfully peaceful beings. Beings who are taking their place. I'm talking about the Bodhisattva of compassion, the Bodhisattva of wisdom. Sitting down right here. Being completely in this moment. So this is our zazen practice of being completely in this moment. And while I feel that there's such thing as affinity, that there are some people, you know, there's Tibetan practice, there's <clears throat> insight, vipassana practice. We're about to have a, a lecture this afternoon by a scholar, an academic, on Buddhism in America. What is it? And bringing consciousness to some of the trends, like the commodification of mindfulness, the marginalization of African Americans. Who gets to direct where this is going? Like how, where is this going and who decides Buddhism in America? Well, in this moment, I get to decide where it's going in this practice place. And that's why I went into the parking lot. I've done this before <laughs> to go, wait! <laughs> because I, <laughs> um, I believe in this practice. You know? And I, I, it's, I guess I could say it's not for everyone, but I do feel I was very touched, Debbie, if I could say. I was very touched by you when I saw you in service, being like, I don't know, holding the shampoo going, I don't know. <laughs> and, and um, you know, there's such an ardent wish I have, if there's one thing I'm teaching, it's please don't give up. And it's not don't give up on Zen, and it's not give up, don't give up on Zen Center or me personally. It's don't give up on the opportunity to be in this moment, feel uncomfortable, and just stay put anyway. <laughs> you can always leave at a certain point. You can. Um, but there's something in here about in the 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 plethora of choice and the plethora of opportunities for, I'm out of here, 
to give rise to, like I was saying on Friday night, the tailbone rooted, <laughs> uh, an unshakable faith. Not in anything out there, me or even these wonderful people or, you know, this lovely space, but your capacity, our capacity to be with our fear and our discomfort in a different way, in a way that calls forth courage and confidence right in the midst of not knowing. There's an opportunity there. And you can decide. We'll try. I don't know if we have any snacks or anything, but we'll have tea. And if there's half and half, we'll have coffee. <laughs> and we'll set up this space for the lecture this afternoon. Um, and that'll be another window into this thing. What is this thing? The Zen Center? Inquiry, dharmic inquiry. Asking ourselves, what is it to be alive? What is it to be human? How are we going to face the seemingly intractable problems, crises of our human life. Incessant racism, incessant classism. I mean, I'm excited about this moment. I'm excited about what's arising. I'm excited about the um, congressional hearing where AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, kind of Nailed it in five minutes. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Where she, she's pulling, you know, it's what she did, pulling the cover off of, you know, dark money in that our elected officials, who are they listening to? Are they listening to their constituents or are they listening to big money? But what was most moving to me about that congressional hearing was the two people she was asking the questions of the people representing financial interests who were very, very kind of humble in their own way, just honestly answering, yes, it's true what you're saying. There's a lot of corruption in our so-called democracy. So me personally, I just want to share, during the week, during the day, I'm hearing these things and I'm observing these things. I'm feeling corruption, racism, classism, misogyny. You know. And I get to return to my cushion. It's my job here. <laughs> and if you choose, it can be your job too. What is this returning to our cushion? Returning to, you're the boss in your own life. You're not going to be pushed around. You're not going to be told what's what. You're going to engage with your life. And the beauty of it is you don't need to know anything. What we're doing on this cushion is opening to feeling. And doing that over and over again, it's like cultivating is too tidy a word. Kind of like falling into a deep trust. And that's what Dogen Zenji's talking about in the Ehe Koso Hotsuganmon that we just chanted. 
And I want to say it, because maybe this is what drove you out the door. <laughs> I don't know. It's a line that disturbed me. He says, Although our past evil karma has greatly accumulated, indeed, being the cause and condition of obstacles and practicing the way. Whoa! <laughs> I remember asking Norman Fisher um, about this. And it might have been around the same time. It might have been the same conversation I asked him about anger. I think I mentioned this in the intro, I'm not sure. Where he said, he said, trust your anger. He said, don't waste the opportunity when anger arises or discomfort arises. Don't waste the opportunity by fleeing. Stay right here, root yourself, and engage. Don't be pushed around. In Zazen, when anger arises, a monk knows anger is present. Boom. It's an opening. What does it want from me? What's it asking of me? What's it trying to tell me? Anger purified is wisdom. The ferocity of the Bodhisattva of wisdom, Manjushri, on the altar. There's a reason Manjushri is on the altar of every Zendo, for the most part. Cutting through delusion. When I hear Norman say, trust your anger, it doesn't mean act it out and, you know, wreak havoc. It means there's energy there, there's life energy. How will you use it? Will you fall into shame? Oh, I'm just an angry person. Especially for the women in the room. She's just an angry person. AOC is just an angry person. Hillary is just an angry person. So Norman said to me, I asked him in that conversation, you know, we chant this Ehe Koso Hotsugamon, and that line really disturbs me, although our past evil karma has greatly accumulated. <laughs> you know what he said to me? Don't worry about it. <laughs> and he could say that because we're practicing. He could say that because we return to our cushion, no matter what. So when we offer these bows, and I loved feeling you during the bows, <laughs> that's when I started thinking about my own experience with the bowing, like, whoa! <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I don't know what's going on with anybody here. But I have thoughts and they make me want to say something because I have a feeling they remind me of my own experience and I'm human and you're human and maybe some of you have a similar experience. So here we go. The bowing. And I thought it was beautiful. Whatever was going on that you didn't and then you did. <laughs> and, 
you know, now that I have hair, I haven't had hair for a lot of my practice life. It was so much easier bowing without hair. And now, bowing, when my hair's all over the place, and if your hair's all over the place, and you're wearing hoodies, or you're wearing the blankets, and it's all over the place, perfect. We're not in control. We're diving into the wreckage of human existence. <laughs> and we get back up again. We dive in wholeheartedly. We don't hold back. Solidarity with all beings. And we get back up again. We don't stay down there in the muck. <laughs> we arise from the muck. <laughs> but it's important to dive into the muck. What we're doing here in this practice is, and I think this is for, for some people who've been practicing for a while, it's very be careful, you know, you can, we can enjoy the relief we feel as we sit and as we open to the triple treasure of oh, Buddha Dharma Sangha, this is cool, I feel like I'm getting my life back, I feel there's some dignity, <laughs> I felt that when I started practicing. And then watch out for thinking that Zen is going to somehow solve our problems. My teacher told me, she kept telling me, and it drove me nuts. This went on for months, if not years, that I was in a honeymoon phase with Zen. <laughs> I was having a great time. It was just fun. You know, I came from a, a theater performance background, and so all of this stuff was was enjoyable to my senses. It engaged my body. It got me out of my head. That was a relief. And it took me a long time to actually get into my pain. That was my particular path. I had to be entertained for a while with the Dharma so that I could relax enough to begin to look and see how much pain there is here. And it's an ongoing process for me personally. So, <clears throat> There's so many things, there's so many things to share, but, but maybe just a few more, just a moment or two more. Because <coughs> neither do I need to try to explain everything here. I just want to see if I might say anything that gives you a little toehold to go, oh, okay, let me investigate this a little bit more. You know, some of you have started sitting and then you took a very big leap this morning with the chanting and the bowing and coming to the intro. It's all real. It's all true. And you know what? It's all me. I like being goofy and I like being formal. I like standing at the altar and I like just hanging out in the community room. I like feeling that I'm not a one-trick pony. That, as Walt Whitman said, I contain multitudes. 
And maybe some of you feel that too about yourselves. And maybe some aspects of yourself that get watered in formal practice might be kind of unfamiliar and a little scary. But see if you can hang out a little bit, if you can have enough faith and trust in your own mind of inquiry to stay with it for a little bit. A couple cycles of the week, if you have time, if you have availability in your schedule, to do a little symposium, you know, a little deep dive into this practice, this ancient practice that has helped the Buddhas and ancestors, those who came before us, as A. H. Dogen says. He says, um, Buddhas and ancestors Buddhas and ancestors of old were as we. Running out of the Zendo going, this is too weird. <laughs> I'm remembering, I've told this story before, but I'm remembering this guy named Robert, who I saw at Tassajara in the year maybe 2000. In the summer, he came back as a summer practitioner, and I'll never forget, he was an older man, and he told me, you know, all of us, who wished we had met Suzuki Roshi in the 60s, and he died in 71, and we didn't get to Zen Center until 1998 or whatever, and we missed him, the great master. Well, Robert said that back in the 60s, he was living in the Haight-Ashbury, a couple blocks from San Francisco Zen Center, and he heard about this Zen master, and he was like, cool. And he went to the San Francisco Zen Center, walked in, walked into that Buddha hall, that same room I was talking about, took one look at the Zen master sitting on his cushion with his robes and fled. <laughs> he said I had to go home and take a pill. <laughs> it was too much. And it took him 40 years to come back. I have deep respect. Now he works for Zen Hospice and you know we're all on our own path. Buddhas and ancestors of old were as we. We in the future shall be Buddhas and ancestors. Revering Buddhas and ancestors, we are one Buddha and one ancestor. Awakening the mind of compassion, we are one mind of compassion. Bodhi mind. Because the Buddhas and ancestors extend their compassion to us freely and without limit, we are able to attain Buddhahood and let of the attainment. Because we're in very good company. Because what we're experiencing right now is no different from any of the so-called awakened ones of the past, present, or future. We're in good company. We are able to attain Buddhahood means to find some peace, to find some relief, to find connection. To expound the Dharma with this body, to not believe that our peace and our connection and our relief is somewhere out there. It's right here with our squirming and our skepticism it's right here with our rooted tailbone and our two feet on the floor. 
It's right here in our vow to not give up. On ourselves. So, you know, if this is a little too much religious practice, I think Laura, the Dr. Harrington this afternoon, I don't think she practices, but maybe you come back and you hear what she has to say from an academic point of view, an academic hanging out with a bunch of practitioners. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what we bring forth. All right, it's nine o'clock. Does anybody want to say anything or ask anything? Yes, Meg. A question about the practice. When we walk around, are we supposed to look straight ahead or look down at our downcast eyes? I think it's good to watch where you're going. Yes, yes. (laughs) Right? Yes. Yes. And um, so, in meditation, in, in the Zazen posture, one line, the spine, one line. And so, same thing when you're walking, that same one line. And the opportunity when you're walking is to feel that one line from your heel all the way up through the legs, the tailbone, the spine, that place, the base of the skull, and through the crown of the head. So that means not that. And so, you know, I like to have to play with it a little bit for my focus. I like to really feel there's really a noble quality to walking, a feeling undistracted, unwavering in your gaze, looking so-called straight ahead. But maybe, Meg, you can play with it. Looking straight ahead is more like, you know, including a, a grand vista, you know, a wide meadow or a beautiful ocean, the way the light shimmers on the ocean. Um, opening to vastness as you're walking. So yeah, practically speaking, don't look down, look up, and kind of energetically or poetically, I don't know, opening to vastness as you're walking. And you know, with the eyes open, especially when you turn the corners, you know, there's a new vista. You could also play with receiving through the eyes as you're watching where you're going, receiving the path as you're taking one step at a time, receiving the path. Debbie, you also asked about breathing on Friday night. And I was thinking all through Zazen when I saw you come in. I was thinking about Suzuki Roshi talking about <clears throat> breathing as being like a swinging door. You know, the naturalness of a swinging door. If you set in motion a swinging door one way, it's going to swing back the other way. So if we breathe in, we're going to breathe back out again. There's kind of an interplay with this, this naturalness of meeting, (coughs) meeting through the eyes where we're supposed to look. 
where we place our gaze, how we receive, you know, our practice here is shikantaza, just sitting. So what is shikantaza when we're just walking? This just sitting is just receiving, receiving breath in and out. The door receiving a push, and then it swings back. We take one foot step, and then we take the next foot step. <laughs> Should you time your breathing to your stepping at all, or is there a cadence? Hey, if you want, I think that could be part of the play. I think that could be helpful, you know, as a grounding practice in this practice of non-distraction, of, you know, Lifting that back foot, breathing in, <laughs> placing it down, rooting, exhaling, letting go. You know, it's like the exhale is reminding us that we're not in control, even though there is something required here is we're, bring, we're breathing in. I'm right here. I don't know. You know, I release my foot and I plant it. And I feel the earth receive me. And I exhale. I don't know, the walking meditation, like for me, it's a very tangible <coughs> opportunity to experience shikantaza zazen of effort and release, effort and release, being here, not knowing, taking my place, feeling a little weird, <laughs> being here anyway, still feeling kind of weird, <laughs> diving in, oh, hmm, how can I engage? Getting curious. Maybe there's a way in which these simple practices here of just walking, just sitting, pare things down so that we can relax a little. We can relax enough to just open to the pain. You know, relax so that we could just open to the pain and we're not going to immediately think that we have to solve it, that we have to do something about it, we have to fix it. We open to the pain of the world without feeling like we got to deal with, you know, we got to deal with it. <laughs> we just meet it. So the mudras we were, we were learning on Friday night, this gasho is so vital. This is just meeting it. Not solving it, but being right here to meet it. Our pain and the pain of the world. We're right here. That's it. Right here. It's very helpful in Zazen to notice when we're holding our breath and go, oh. All right, any other question? Any other thoughts?
How about if we could go around? You could say your name. <coughs> and if there's any thought arising or any question, or, as Kaz would say, any objection, <laughs> speak. <laughs> but I think it helps to sort of open the circle a little bit. Okay, anybody want to start? Anita. Mm -hmm. I'm Bob. <laughs> Very simple. Um, well, I, my background was Tibetan Buddhism for a few years and uh, a couple of years of Zen, and I'm just getting familiar, just getting comfortable enough with the forms to where I'm relaxing and enjoying mm -hmm. it now more mm -hmm. than anything. So, so, yeah. How long did that take? Oh, wow. Well, you know, but the, the worry that's natural is for not. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. nobody's keeping score. Mm -hmm. cool. Thanks, Bob. My name is Mark. I don't think it's that, but I, I do agree with the point you just made that after a certain amount of time, you realize you, know, you don't have to worry about my legs were sleeping. Am I going to have trouble getting up? And when I was earlier in the practice, I was not worry about it. But now I'm like, no, it takes me a while. It takes me a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Tom, um, one thing I've been thinking about lately is you know, the bowing and chanting was really weird to me at the beginning. And the other day, I was talking to friends of mine, and they were some new bakery opened up in Cambridge, and people were standing in line for like 45 minutes just to buy a $5 bowl of cereal. <laughs> and I just thought, like, bowing's not weird. Like, the real world is weird. Um, so yeah, that's sort of just something I thought of. What is weird? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom. Meg and uh, gosh, I've been around Buddhism for maybe decades or more different types, not Japanese, so um, I certainly have a lot of anxiety around I don't bend because I feel like it's explain to you guys that, you know, intervertebral distance between my spines, <laughs> it's an issue for me physically doing it. And, mm. you know, and I think as a novice here, like non judgment is one of the tenets or precepts yeah. of mm -hmm. So trying to do the best I can without yes. judging myself or, or being afraid other people are judging me or. Yeah. My lack of good form is not is bad energy for the mm. group or something like that. Mm. So we have a lot of fear. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. <coughs> Your name and um, any just anything coming up for you, and there may not be anything. Any question or comment, anything you wanted to share, anything um, at all? Thanks for having me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, 
it was good to see you in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. so much for sharing that with this group. Thank you. And thank you for coming back. <laughs> I went out to the parking lot. She saw me coming and she rolled down her window on this cold day. And I was like, where are you going? She said, should I come back? And I was like, absolutely. Take a baby prize for Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think we all have. Yeah. Thank you so much. So I'm like... <clears throat> Uh, crying, you know, is it okay to cry? I cried once over there, sit. We were going through a practice and some instructions were being given. It's, it was unusual, but it was a, it was a guest uh, guiding teacher. She was a guest, so, and so, but it was really very powerful. I, I mean, I still use it today. And uh, I started crying, Niagara Falls crying. and. I had to get up and leave. It's like, you know, my practice is personally, I want to sit, I want to stay, you know, on my cushion. So, but, you know, so I got up and I, um, Meg, I got up and I was, I was looking out for people to judge me, right? Because I got up and nobody looked at me. So it was okay. So I went to the bathroom and I came back. So, yep. Yeah. That's right. Being human. So but that was, that was unexpected. But that Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Meg. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So this, as I was saying on Friday night, this is the Sangha Jewel. Entrusting ourselves with each other, you know, speaking our truth, not wasting time, you know, with ideas of how we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be feeling. So when we stand now to offer three final bows, you know, offering the bows is plunging into Buddha, just we say that it's, you know, not holding back on our own life, <laughs> living our life. And we'll say, I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Sangha. We say it in the, the Pali language, um, so it's not English. You know, and, and I feel the opportunity not saying it in English as a native English speaker is maybe it opens another part of me that's not so, doesn't glom onto words and meaning, concepts that can be freed up, that it's just energy, life energy, underneath the categories of Buddhist or Jewish or Catholic, that this is just human. And we've actually, when we chant that, we're just 
confirming what we've just done in this circle. <laughs> we just kind of seal it when we chant. We already took refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha. I don't even know when, just from the very beginning, but certainly when we went around, and Debbie, particularly when you shared as deeply as you just did, that's taking refuge in Sangha. So the Zen practices of chanting and bowing are just kind of a bodily affirmation of a process that's already happening, but that may not be so discernible. And it's not here, that process, but it's part of the unseen realms, that process. So we get to enjoy it in the body when we chant and we bow. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This podcast is made possible by donations from listeners like you. For more information or to donate, please go to www.zencenternorthshore.org. Thank you.